Hello, everybody, and I am so happy to have these two um, wonderful, professional, get it done, long term success models of just excellence. And, and that is Faith Sidlow and Kim Stevens. Uh, I've been a wonk for local news forever. And uh, we can talk a little bit about that if you need to sleep uh, instead of <laughs> taking some uh, melatonin. But you both wrote this book. You collaborated on a book called Broadcast News in the Digital Age, A Guide to Reporting, Producing, and Anchoring Online and TV. There it is. Love it. Love it. Love it. There it is. It's just outstanding. And, and get it now. It's available on Amazon. It's available where you can get your textbooks. This is a lifer book. Um, in an ever-changing environment. I don't know how you do it anymore. Uh, and because I mean, it's wonderful and glorious, but it's so much harder these days. Uh, but let's get back to introducing Faith Sidlow. She has multiple award awards as a journalist, three decades in television, radio news, uh, a reporter, an anchor, a producer. A, you're an associate professor of broadcast journalism and of, of uh, multimedia journalism. And it... Um, let me say it right, too. California State University of Fresno. We call it Fresno State, but it's really not. It's California State University of Fresno. And then Kim Stevens, you know, Edward R. Murrow, an Emmy Award winner, journalist. You do it all. I mean, uh, you, you've a community, a community um, uh, event. You, you're doing you, you're doing it. Telethons, you've done it. You've been in front of the camera, behind the camera, weather, all of it. Um, and um, for those who don't know, we worked together for a while, and uh, I've always been a big fan. Um, you gave some wonderful advice to my daughter years ago. She's never forgot that, and uh, we feel um, grace from you for doing that. And um, just two wonderful people. Thank you for being a guest on the one uh, again for the first time podcast. Thank you very much. And I'm going to add one thing to Faith's resume, and that is that she is the chair of our department for media communications and journalism right now. Well, wow, I did not know that. And uh, tip of the hat, my friend, that is outstanding. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, we're so I'm, happy to be here. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And um, Faith, if, if you've been involved in this world, in this community. Can you tell me and the listeners and the people who are watching us a little bit about yourself? And then Kim is going to be the same question when, when she's done. I'm going to play some tennis. I'm going to do back and forth. Um, please, the floor is yours. Yeah, so uh, I came to Fresno in 1985, straight out of college as a uh, producer of a newscast of, at KC24. And uh, it was a little rocky coming in to produce the 6 p.m. newscast when um, I had just graduated from college. And I did that for a couple of months, and then I became a reporter and reported, was the a consumer reporter at KC24, and then uh, weather for four years, and then the morning anchor. And back in uh, 2005, I decided that I needed to have a backup plan and went back and got my master's degree at Fresno State in mass communication and journalism. And, and then they hired me as an adjunct professor. And I uh, did that for a couple of years until KC24 and I parted ways. And then I became a, a full-time tenure track professor in 2015. That's outstanding. That's outstanding. And I'm going to take Fanny Flag to block. No. 
<laughs> that's fun. <laughs> Good memory. I'm just showing them all. That's all that does. <laughs> if you could tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Uh, after graduating from uh, Chico State and having mm -hmm. an internship in a newsroom, I thought I was going to write commercials. I always wanted to be uh, part of the television in some way. My father was in sales at KTVU up in Oakland in the Bay Area for a long time. And so I was just always fascinated by television. But I am an introvert and uh, I was shyer than I am now. So I never wanted to be in this kind of field. So I thought I'd be behind the scenes in writing because I really like to write. And then I uh, I went into the newsroom and it was crazy and energetic. And I was like, oh, well, this is actually where I belong. Mm -hmm. And so uh, after that internship, I applied and got a job down in Bakersfield, producing and editing and anchoring my own morning newscast with zero experience uh, <laughs> coming out of college and making terrible mistakes live on the air and going home and crying so many nights. And uh working on getting better and better. Worked in Bakersfield for four years, did reporting. I mean, I did everything there except for sports and photography. Uh, so I produced the shows and anchored and did weather and such. And then I went to Knoxville, Tennessee, and I started a brand new show there called Live at Five at WBIR. I was there for many years. Then I left there and went, uh, and while I was there, I got my master's degree. So Peyton Manning and I have one thing in common. Uh, we were going to school together at the same time, me as a master's, him as an undergrad, and you know, one heck of a football player. Yes. And uh, then uh, I worked at another station in that town. And then I had our first son and we wanted to come back home to California. Mm -hmm. So I went to San Jose and KNTV and worked the technology shift. I was a technology reporter and anchor there. I was there for three years and then found out they were starting a new show in uh, Fresno called Great Day. And I applied. That was in 2003. And as they say, the rest is history. Uh, I started teaching here at Fresno State. When Faith gave me a call in 2015, you had an opening, you, you were looking for someone who had a master's degree who would teach the news writing class. And so I think that was in July. And I was in the classroom in August. It was a whirlwind. Seamless. It was seamless. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, don't let anybody see me sweat, right? And I've been teaching that class and two other classes uh, through the years. I remember when you started there. I mean, I think that's what, right around the time we were working together, maybe a little after. I mean. You'd go right from the air to the classroom. Yes, and she like? never, ever loses any energy. I have never right. seen this woman tired. Yeah. Well, I love like being here. I mean, I, I really love it. The only thing I lose every once in a while is my voice, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, thankfully, not as often as it used to be. I'm trying to be more diligent on that. But no, I mean, it's just so happy. And I mean, yes, we're teaching, but I feel like I'm also learning so much from our students. Mm, just, so true, yeah. So, I want to just, I'm a big wonky nerd rabbit hole person. It's, it's interesting to me, you both started as producers. I find that to be a really tough job from the outside <laughs> because it's sort of nebulous, right? Because a lot of times the, the people who have, to use your term earlier, tenure, the people been there a while, this is the way we do it. You know, this is what we like to, don't, don't rock the boat. And you have to 
endear yourself to the people that you work with and show your talent and not try to change the world. But at the same time, you're there for a purpose. How do you, Faith, back to you. How do you, and then please follow up, Kim. How do you work that? Because that's got to be really tough, especially if you're young right out of college. Yeah, especially if you're young and you have veterans that you're trying to say, I only want a minute 15 package. That was the, that was oh, terrible. Yeah. Oh no, I came in there and the news director decided that they were going to make some changes and that packages could only be a minute 15 long. So here's this 25 year old girl who was saying to these veterans, you can't put a stand-up in now because that package can only be a minute 15. If you want to put a stand-up in, fine, but it's still only going to be a minute 15. Mm -hmm. They hated me from the start. I was so relieved to be able to become a reporter and have to deal with the producer <laughs> instead of being the producer and having to deal with the reporters. It was not, it was not, it was a lose-lose situation. Oh, it's thank thankless. But I was fortunate that when I got hired by KC24, I got hired by a man named Ken Coy, who for whatever reason, saw something in me. And I met him at uh, an RTDNA conference. I think it was in San Jose. And um, he, for whatever reason, agreed to hire me for the first reporter opening at that station. And mm -hmm. so um, he hired me as the producer until the reporter opening came. And then I, I went right into it. And I think everyone was relieved <laughs> many years later i did produce the new newscast and which is a very i don't know if you've produced the new before it's yeah. a fun newscast to produce yeah. mm -hmm. and by then i had more experience under my belt but i will tell you a little secret True. that when we produce our newscasts here at fresno state on fresno state focus she's the executive producer not <laughs> me <laughs> understood understood Kim, your story? <laughs> when becoming a producer and young and dealing with all that, was that uh, any tales of uh, woe or that you can no, just- there, there was, I, I do remember I was uh, uh, producing the weekends and then anchoring them also. And I felt like it's nice to have the creativity. You're the one who is writing the whole thing so you know what's going on. So as an anchor, I had a great line with the producer. I mean, I, I, I was doing both and, and I did like that. Uh, but I also didn't find myself to be very, uh, I wanted to be better, but I preferred to be a reporter and an anchor instead. Now, thankfully, because I've worked with so many amazing producers, now I see what they were doing. I didn't quite get it then. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it even more fun to be teaching uh, and of course doing on the air to add lots of different elements and texture and ways to tell a story to the viewers in a compelling way. And what's so, really awesome is that I, I would say the majority of our students here now that are going out and getting jobs, they're getting people, news directors are actually grabbing them before they graduate through our YouTube and through our website and our LinkedIn mm -hmm. and um, hiring them as producers. And they're getting two, three, four job offers where they have to make a decision <laughs> about the station that they're going to go to as a producer. Sir. That 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 is wonderful, and um, let's hope that continues. Yeah. But again, that's uh, the blessing of working with you both, and through this, through what's going on at Fresno State right now, um, it's just outstanding. Uh, how do you teach? And we'll talk about this maybe in your book. 
one more question about being producer, where you want to get everybody's input, but that time they say, okay, no more ideas. No more ideas. We're going to put this into play. Well, you know, I was thinking about the fact that maybe we should say this and we should have a second shot. Or well, how do you teach, especially to a veteran? No, it's going to be a minute 50. Sorry, it just has to be. Or no more ideas. Now we have to implement. Talk about that if you can. Well, you know, here when we have the students produce, uh, we do teach them to be in situations just like this. And so uh, the expectation of the producer is not to be wishy-washy. You ultimately have to make the decision. And sometimes it will be challenging. But like you said, you know, when you were first starting, you just, you have to say, this is the way it is. And if right. you have a problem with it, go talk to the news director or something. Uh, and, and likely you'll get a little gruff from the o- older folk. But, uh, but know that, that you have the right, because that is your job. Mm-hmm. You make the decisions and, uh, you know, yes, you have input, but then by a certain time, there's no time. We've got to produce this show. Oh, oh absolutely. So tell me about the genesis of, of the textbook. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> you know, Kim and I had both independently been thinking about writing a book. Mm-hmm. I had been, I had chapters laid out. She had, had quite a bit actually written. and then. Also, at Fresno State, the way we put together our classes, we had a lot of things that were written down as well, kind of like um, course guides. Mm -hmm. And so I did a a review for Routledge um, Publishing on another book. And I guess this is pretty um, commonplace, yeah, stand for practice, that when somebody does a book review for Routledge, they'll say, oh, and are you working on anything? And so I responded and I said, Well, my colleague and I have been thinking about writing a book, but we don't really have anything down on paper yet. But yeah, we're thinking about writing a textbook. And they said, we'll send us a proposal. Well, (laughs) I said, you know, well, we've practically got this thing written. Let's just send the proposal and we'll just bang it out. (laughs) Bang it out. It took us, what, about six months to do the proposal? It might have been. I have it written down, actually. I logged it. I, I, I'm not sure. Gosh, six months sounds like a long Maybe time. Maybe it was four months. But yeah. I mean, because the problem for me, Kim, Kim and I, although we have a lot in common, we definitely have a different work style. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we do complement each other. Do complement each other. Yeah. Right. But when I do something like, apparently, because this is the first book I have written, but when I write a book, I can't just write a chapter, which is, they wanted two chapters. I need to write the whole book to be able to come up with those two chapters. So I needed to really like outline the whole thing. And that I think slowed me down a lot because I needed to be able to like visualize what the beginning, the middle and the end of the book was going to be. And I couldn't do that without seeing it. So I I thought that was an important focus for us to have. And it did, it worked. Yeah. But I think that when we got down to the nitty gritty, it was a little, it was a little stressful. And then in the middle of the whole thing, my husband became ill and um, thank you. Uh, So it, that took a lot of my focus and and just my motivation away too. And Kim really carried, you really did carry us. Well, she did. Yeah. We were also going through a pandemic. 
<laughs> and we were going through a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. A lot happened. We yeah. said yes in February, right before 2020, mm-hmm. and then boom. Yeah, yeah. And then it hit, which kept us at home. <laughs> I know it actually right. We go straight from teaching our classes on Zoom to getting back to writing yeah. and zooming with each other, and yeah. yeah. Let me change the background <laughs> because I'm no longer teaching. I'm no, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. How much of the pandemic is part of your curriculum now? That changing on the fly and doing things different. And well, we definitely put it in the book because yes. there was a whole different way to report and mm-hmm. even anchor the news, you know. Uh, so safety is in here. And also how to do interviews from afar, how to do interviews Mm -hmm. uh, through Zoom is an examples in here. I think the pandemic actually changed the face of journalism. I mean, in so many ways, but if you look at just that little small part of how people report, it opened the whole world to us because before, if you wanted to get an interview with somebody, you would either do the interview locally or you would go to your newsfeed and get a soundbite from the newsfeed. But now, we can call up somebody in England or in India or in China and ask them to do an interview with us on Zoom. And it's perfectly fine to use that interview in any type of video story. So I think it really gave every journalist so much more access. And as instructors, it gives us so much more access to people around the world to come and speak to our students. Oh, sure. Absolutely. But with with that access, comes um, unnecessary belief that look how easy this is I can do this that I can just but there's structure and order that needs to be presented do you get a lot of pushback from knowing I don't want to know anybody specific obviously but hey I could just do this myself or rogue journalism is what it's about like I I just want to see um, a man named Otto and um, you know it was. I actually enjoyed the movie, but you know, in there is the social media darling type that just comes out and saves the day. Oh, so it was a good thing, not a bad thing. It's up to your interpretation. <laughs> okay, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know. No, it was a very, nice, a very nice person. But like, why couldn't it be a local? This is Darren talking now. Opinion. Why couldn't it be a local newscaster who helped out out of it? Why did it have to be a person who, you know, an influencer? Exactly right. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, thankfully, I I haven't really noticed anything like that with our students, but we do teach them proper ways. You're thinking thinking somebody, um, proper ways to connect with people Mm -hmm. when that green light is on or when they're, you know, scrolling. Uh, You know, there are some who are out there and all they're looking for is likes and to go viral right and uh, uh you know us working journalists are looking to tell a story and yeah. i uh, i'm not looking at that other part uh but to be helpful i think again not knowing what this person did i, oh, you know, no, I they, by the way they were just they were great but it's but my thought was why an influencer who happens to live up the street and not you know a, a local news person lives up the street yeah, I, I mean, we, we do teach, you know, we want you to pay attention to your own community because that's mm-hmm. really where, you know, that's who you're reporting to. That's who you're 
audiences. So please be an active participant in your community. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm as old as dirt, right? But <laughs> I grew up, and I'm not placating when I say this, a lot of people love, want, love Walter Cronkite or Barbara Walters or such. My person, everybody has a person, right? My was a, a gentleman named Jim Jensen on CBS News. Uh, he was phenomenal. He just, he was he's local, you know, and, and Michelle Marsh and and just some of the, I thought they were great. Rosanna Scotto. Uh, I remember these. Uh, the one national guy I did follow was Frank Reynolds. I was a big fan of his. Um, but um, there's a place that people think that local news is going away. It's, it's not. No, no, it's expanded even more because yes. of our devices, which is yeah. wonderful. We just have to be, you know, good stewards of it. Oh, oh absolutely. And, but the rules are changing. And what I mean by, and I'm going to, I'm going to use you as an example, which I thought was great. Um, not that you need my accolades, but you're on the news and then you, you put out a tweet congratulating a quote unquote competitor in the news world on something that happened, you know, whether it was snow or whatever it was, I forget it was, it's just very nice. Um, you didn't see that. And I think it's nice. It shows that we're a community, you know, we're a Fresno community. And I think that's changed for the better because you get to see that side of people and people, they like that, you know, it's being a good neighbor. Yeah, I, don't, I, I would never have been able to contact that uh, that woman right. in any other way. I don't have her email. I guess I could find it at the station, but this was nice. But I also, I didn't want it to be public, public for, hey, see me, but she had already tweeted something out. So I thought I would add something to her tweet in a positive way mm -hmm. for a really heartbreaking story. And uh, not until after I had done it, did I really realize, oh yeah, people are gonna see me saying something nice about a competitor. And I hoped my boss didn't get mad. He didn't, nothing Nothing was said. How could, how could somebody be mad yeah. by saying something? Well, that's my right? point. And, but <laughs> it just showed breaking down boundaries for, for the good. You know I, I mean? think that this market, this Fresno market really has always been like that. Oh. We've always, for the most part, even though we've been competitors, we've all really gotten along. I mean, when back in the day, we used to really get along. I mean, we would go out every night, not every night, but right. we would be out on the town, all three or four stations mm -hmm. celebrating and having a good time. And that doesn't happen in all markets. And I mean, there are some markets where you wouldn't see somebody do what Kim does. And I'm not going to say that she's Pollyanna, but I have been called that. She is a very, very nice person. <laughs> she, you are. Thank you. She is. You and know, it's a pleasure to see her complimenting people. And she does it frequently. It reminded me of the way athletes are. Right? I work with the monsters as well. And, um, you know, they could be jarring on the ice, but after the game, they're just friends and pals and, it's just the world that we live in. It's just, it's a good thing to say. I want to ask about, about, about the textbook. Okay. When you decided to write it, did you start from the process of who is the end user? You may say a student, but tell me about that student. Is the student 25? Is it somebody my age? Is it so, because we, I know when I did my document, I did two documentaries and I always had in mind who was going to be watching that. 
Is it going to be a mother of somebody who lost a child? Is it going? So who are you writing this for? Our students. Yeah, we were definitely, I don't think we wrote it for one student because our students are so diverse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have students who are athletes. We have students who come from wealthy families. Most of our students do not. Most of our students, I think 65% are on um, are on grants, Pell Grants. 80% have some kind of financial aid. So mm -hmm. we know that our students don't have a lot of resources, but some of them do. So mm -hmm. we try to write this book with all of those students in mind. Some of them are 60 years old. Some of them are 18 years old. I mean, it really, mm -hmm. it just runs the gamut. I also do have to say, though, I kept in mind the girl who graduated from Chico and started in a newsroom with her typewriter. It was a typewriter and really could have used a handbook to maybe keep from making so many public mistakes. Mm -hmm. right. I agree. Yeah. No, that, that, that's good. Uh, I want to digress for a second and jump back into the textbook. I believe that you both are one because you've been in the industry so long are perfect examples of changing the tire while the car is moving. <laughs> is that a compliment yes, yes i don't think that's a compliment oh it's, no it is let me explain why because you because it was pretty much the same in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s but now you, you you'd have somebody show up and there'd be a person a camera person and the lighting person and now you're bringing all your own equipment those people out in the street and then they're coming back and they're editing it themselves and um it has changed. And that's what I mean by the car's movement's changing and you're still there and you've got to kind of fix it as you go. What is, what is that like personally? Well, you know, when you first bring the, but both of us are absolute can do people. I mean, it's really hard to stop us. Our brains are always on that can do, you know, and problem solving and problem solving. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But when I think back to when this MMJ in uh, multimedia mm -hmm. journalist, uh, one man banding started years ago. Uh, there were people talking about, oh, those veterans so-and-sos, they're going to just be grumble bunnies about it. They're going to gripe about it. And then maybe they will leave. One of those grumble bunnies um, is in our book. He was not a grumble bunny, actually. He ended up embracing the MMJ because he had total control over all of his work. Yes. So people who thought someone like Wayne Friedman at ABC7 in San Francisco was going to be, I'm not going to do this, actually said fantastic, took his camera and got, I mean, just Emmys overflowing him for all of the stories he was doing that he had control over to share just amazing stories. And he did them, you know, most of the time then without a photographer. He had his camera. He did the whole thing from start to finish. I think that's great. Yeah. Anything uh, to uh, add to that, Faith? Well, you know, you were talking about the difference between uh, the time that when Kim and I started in news and now. And I did MMJ one story um, at Channel 24 back, I think, in 2012. And... Um, 
it was really difficult. I mean, it was in Mexico. I will say it was, I mean, it was a travel. So I had, I traveled, but it was very, very hard. And I did not have that book to use as a reference to try to figure out what it was that I was going to do. And I think that the story, even though it was a good story, it really could have been so much better, so much better. But when we did stories or when I started out doing stories, I went out with a photographer, as you said, and I may have done one package, maybe a package and a Vosot, I mean, in a day. And that was it. Now, when our students go out, they get their story idea. They may be assigned the story or they may come up with the story themselves. They go out and they shoot it. When they get out to the scene, they do a Facebook Live. When then they finish shooting it, they, we would, in the car on the way back, you know, we would be writing our script while the photographer was driving because we had a photographer with us. They get back, they write that story, then they edit that story, then they write the story for the web, then they do all of their social media posts that they've already been doing while they've been mm-hmm. out at the scene and on the way out to the scene mm-hmm. and so on. So they are just these incredible multitaskers, which, you know, psychologists say, is impossible but they're doing you never do anything really really well just as a multitasker exactly but I don't know really if I would have been able to do all of that because I left just when all of that started and I really give huge accolades to all of our students who Mm -hmm. are out there doing it but I will say some of them I mean, it's natural to them, right? They yeah, were born right. with the cell phone in their right. hand. So some of them, when it's just like do social media, it's boom, boom, boom. Where for me, you know, I've got to sit there and fix the picture. And then, well, think and we're going like this too. <laughs> you know, try to right, right. No. But, but so they're doing it, but they're also, they're getting burned out. You know, it, it takes a really special person to be able yeah. to keep up that pace, to be able to continually feed the shark day in and day out for not a lot of money in the first market, you know? Right. And, um, but at least now there's time talking about your health, your mental health. I need a mental health day. I need to feed myself, fill Mm -hmm. my bucket back up. And that's a more acceptable conversation, uh, than it certainly was back then. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, but that dovetails into another question. Uh, and that is, in your textbook, do you talk in detail about that life-work balance? We absolutely do. But I do feel like we need to do more, and I want to do more in the second edition. Oh, that's right. We're writing a second edition. Well, you should. That's great. <laughs> well, in our brains we are. We have We're just going to knock it out. Yeah. <laughs> in an ever-changing world, you need a new edition. Yeah. But, but no, that whole... You know, work-life balance and, and finding one's true self, it's a skill set that a lot of people just don't have. And um, I, I think you, know, you have to build it. I don't think it comes. You have to trial and error, see what works. And then what works when you're 25 is different mm-hmm. than when you're 45. Again, you know, I have to, there are so many things that I could learn from Kim (laughs) or that could have learned from Kim when we were competitors on the morning show when I was still working on the morning show she always had this rule that she was going to go to bed by 6 p.m I went to bed at 10 p.m sometimes 11 I lived a normal life with four hours of sleep 
Right. And she was getting her eight hours. That's why, wow. you know, I'm really only 25, years old, <laughs> but I look like I'm 60. Um, no, but so she's always been very good. I think about that work-life balance, whereas I wasn't. Well, I was having stomach aches all the time. I wasn't feeling well. And so I was trying to figure out how could I feel better? I still don't feel great sometimes, but, and I definitely don't get eight hours of sleep, maybe on a Friday night into Saturday, but I at least make myself available to my pillow so that hopefully I will fall asleep and get at least six plus. How do you teach? Like I've I've talked to a gentleman who lost his uh, daughter in the Parkland shootings on my podcast and, and how do you teach that skill set of you need to get the story, you need to get the shot, but that whole showing somebody respect and grace and when's the right time not to knock on a person's door? If you can kind of talk a little bit about that. Well, this is a it's a really a tough one to talk about, and we probably should talk about it more than we do in this particular class because. The stories that our students do in our Fresno State Focus class, which is the class that we wrote this book for, well, for all of our broadcast classes, but um, when they're actually learning by doing, they're doing storytelling. So very few of them will actually pick that type of story that has a tragic um, storyline. So we don't talk about it as much as we should, but we do talk about empathy. And we can talk about trying to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And I think that really for anybody who can do that, can take a step back, put yourself in the person's shoes who has lost a loved one to a horrific tragedy, then I think that it's a little bit easier to do the right thing when you're covering that story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, in fact, that was brought up today in class. So I, I had that conversation in two different classes today. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Asking um, what what I did in that situation. Yeah. And again, that's not one of those soft skills. It's very necessary. Because um, if you want to be selfish selfish for a second, not think about the other person, if you come across on the air as somebody who's uncaring, boy, the view is going to pick up on that. And it's it's not going to be good for your career. Sometimes people will use that as a reason to not get in you know students will say ah I really like this but I don't want to have to interview people who've just lost a loved one well if we're lucky it's not often but it is important to do and to know how to do it to talk about it ahead of time obviously so you get somehow some sort of preparation you learn what worked and what didn't work with others but don't let that be the one reason because it's not news isn't all that talking with people in a conversational way and um whether you've lost something or you've just you know won something you know we're so we're we're with our viewers or our audience in all experiences And, and the other thing that's so important that we as journalists are very unique in that we can do this is that's preserving someone's memory yeah and whether it's somebody who died from, you know, leukemia or someone who was the victim, you know, of a crime. We as journalists, if we are given that opportunity, 
we can preserve their memory. And I think that that's what's always made me mm -hmm. feel like I was doing the right thing. And mm -hmm. obviously, if somebody doesn't want to speak about a loved one, or they're not ready to speak about a loved one, you also have to know when to step back. Yeah, but to be able to tell the stories for those people, it's a gift that, that they can't get anywhere else. Oh, absolutely. And my, my thought on that also is, wouldn't you like somebody like yourself to be the person delivering that news? Because right. you're going to show grace to that person. Yeah. And, and um, but it's not easy, right? It's, 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 it's difficult. No, uh, and not everybody does. I mean, there have been times that I've been somewhere covering a story and they say, so-and-so from the other, this other station was uh, really abrasive and uh, made me not want to talk and you know you you made it easier for me or you know uh so there are bad apples out there kind of ruin it for those of us who really do probably lead with our heart more yeah without going down the rabbit hole there's bad apples everywhere right i mean there just yeah. is my friend who also has a name darren he's a doctor and i remember about 35 years ago we went out um, to uh, celebrate his graduation from medical school. And um, maybe his third drink or whatever, he's, he got very quiet and he said, uh, Darren, I, I gotta tell you, he goes, maybe six or seven of the people I graduated with cheated the way through medical school and they're, and they're now doctors. So, I mean, there's bad apples in every profession, everywhere there is. Um, before I, I wrap up, I can't believe how fast the time is going. Um, you said you're going to write another edition. Um, <laughs> did you realize how wonderful your book would have been? I mean, we all think our work is great, but it's very well received. Um, I, I did a deep dive on the feedback on the book, on the textbook. It's unbelievable. Um, how does it make you both feel personally? Well, Proud. I mean, if we're trying to connect to our audience, which is our students, who are, by the way, on the cover of the book, this is our yeah. now former studio, but this is, um, you know, our control room. I mean, it's written for them, and they're learning from it, and then they use it to go on and be in the business and be uh, successful and happy uh, in their, you know, in their markets, in all states around, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm proud because it's helping them and that's what it was for. Great. Okay, how about yourself? I mean, that I can't, I can't say it any better than what Kim just said. I mean, I feel like it was a major accomplishment for both of us, but it also put everything that we try to communicate to our students with the help of 45 other professionals that we interview for this book that we have given as a gift to our students. And mm -hmm. the people that we interviewed, every single mm -hmm. one of them is just a pro in their own right. Absolutely. I mean, so many incredible lessons and, and that are all willing to be mentors for students that are up and coming in this in this business. Yeah, these people we really vouch for. We really think highly of the work that they do and the people that they are. Yeah. They're Those are the mentors in this and, Of course, and this is just my New York way of looking at it. Of course, these people will be altruistic for the people that will be reading this, the students that want to get back. But it's really praise to you both. 
because they would not be involved that they didn't believe in the mission that you both have. Uh, so it's really a testament. That's 45 people saying thank you to the both of you for what you're doing. Thank and you. That's, that's my subtle way of saying thank you both for being on uh, the podcast today, again, for the first time. So we know what's next, but if somebody wants to take your class, of course, they got to be in Fresno State, but uh, how do they get in touch with you? And if somebody has- you know, That's you, actually a really interesting question because we've had over the last two years, we've had a couple of students that have not been students that matriculated to Fresno State. They mm -hmm. came through Open University and were able to take our class through Open University. So, oh, I mean, there is a way to do it. You don't have to be a Fresno State student. Excellent. Excellent. Great. Well, thank you both so much. And it's been my privilege to talk to you both today. Thank, oh, you. thank you, Darren. Bye now. Bye.